um, trying to make bigger profits in your small business, like many of us, I'm sure you're feeling it. Business is hard. And now more than ever, you need to have a plan to help your business not just survive, but thrive. And it can happen as simply with thinking with the end in mind. I'm Marcia Reiner. I'm a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small businesses to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability, guides your growth, and plans for your future exit. Because a business worth selling is also a business worth owning. And I'd love to share strategies that I've earned and learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have something to share with you. I've put together an an insightful and think outside the box masterclass. This 15 minute training is specifically designed to help you learn how to get your business sale ready, even if you aren't thinking of selling it yet. Why now? Join me and find out all the benefits that come with having a sale ready business. Register for free at scale the number two cell.biz. All right, I'm excited to have my guest on with me today. Barry Rutten is an admitted industry contrarian who is wary and often critical of conventional financial wisdom. Uh, He is the co-founder and managing partner of Wealth Defense Financial Advisors, which focuses on unique needs and goals of business owners, high-income professionals, upwardly mobile families, real estate investors, and those that are entering or already heading in retirement. With over 35 years' experience as a certified financial planner, Barry has developed and refined a proprietary process for creating collaborative and cooperative financial and retirement planning engagements with his clients. Outside of work, Barry is a boating enthusiast who is often found on the waters of Lake Washington and Puget Sound, and he is a resident of Kirkland, Washington with his wife, Colleen. So Barry, welcome, welcome, welcome to Profit with a Plan podcast. I'm excited to have you on today. I'm excited to be here, Marcia. I loved your I loved your intro. I think what you're talking about for business owners is so exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it is it is a really neat spot that um is caught in the blind spot of most business owners. They aren't thinking about planning for that exit where you and I were like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, top on mind. And, and funny enough, you know, you as a financial planner, you know, you're getting in there looking at clients and, and, and they're planning for their future and how they're going to retire. And oftentimes they come up and say, I got a business I'm going to sell. Right. But they have no clue what they're going to do with it. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. I'm super excited to have this conversation. You and I have traveled in similar circles, and um, I think I can really uh, ask you some deep questions on how we can, you know, help the listeners think about some of the strategies that they may not be catching in their business. Um, so, how in the world did you get into being a financial planner and focusing on us crazy business owners? <laughs> well. I started out in, in, well, to go way back, basically, way I had no way idea, back. Like, way, way back, not, not to kindergarten, but uh, <laughs> I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I didn't have this burning desire for a particular direction. And everybody I knew basically said, you have a, you know, you have a big mouth. You should go, go to law school and use it. <laughs> so I actually attended law school for a very brief time, but it really wasn't a fit because I wasn't there with the right commitment and belief and passion. And I was watching my other classmates like totally into it. And I was not totally into it. And so I actually went across to the undergraduate library and went down to the basement where they had all the professional magazines for every industry. 
and just started looking stuff. And I came across the Journal of Financial Planning and I went, huh, all right, I see that. That's clients, but positive. Like, I guess I perceived the law as negative. Um, and I saw that what, what the topics they were talking about as far as helping people retire and send their kids to college and um, tax management and estate planning. I was like, those are really interesting topics. And it's all seemed to be moving in the direction of a, a positive outcome instead of, I don't know, keeping somebody out of jail or uh, negotiating a dispute or something. And so I, I kind of made that switch. And so uh, for, for a very long time, my mom kept trying to persuade me to go back to law school. But, um, but uh, eventually I just said, nope, this is the direction I want to go. You know, that's important that we find something. I had a similar path um, in, in helping people on my journey before I became a consultant. Uh, I too am a CFP uh, by designation and did a lot of training on that. But it was always, I love the same view of it, that it was always a positive result that you were focusing on. And the stresses of the market that you couldn't control, but if you did more proactive planning, you could anticipate a lot of the things that um, are going to come your way and keep the calm in the area. Um, so when it comes to businesses, uh, what are some of the sticky problems that businesses have that maybe they, you know, aren't dealing with in the best way? You know, I mean, you and I are business owners ourselves, so we have a soft spot for, for these folks. And, you know, they're really the, I think, the engine of the economy. And, you know, they're employing a lot of people and it's a challenging thing. It is not an easy thing to do. And you're essentially being asked to be a jack or Jill of all trades, right? And so you're, you're, you have to market your business and sell the thing and, and your human resources and your maintenance sometimes and, uh, you yep. know, sales. Chief garbage and, can cleaner. <laughs> you're everything, you know, you're the CEO of everything. And, um, and I, I think then therefore if the focus generally is on making money and growing and scaling, and um, it, it's hard then to be an expert on all the other aspects of uh, business that that really require to be successful. So if the purpose, I've always said the purpose of business is to support your life, not have your life support your business. Mm -hmm. And if you're out there making money, the question is why and for what purpose and where you're trying to get to in the end, and how do you capture as much of the wealth you're creating in your business? So there's two kinds of money, right? There's cash flow, the money coming in from this year's operations and net profit. Uh, and then there's the wealth that you're building up in your business, which is what you were talking about before. And I th think people perceive that, oh, okay, well, I, I, I think my business should sell for X. And they just kind of go, okay, well, when we get out to, you know, when I'm too old or don't care anymore, I'll sell it for X. And I'll have a big pile of money and everything will be okay. And all right, let's go back to making money. And that's about the extent of the planning that most people do. And I think what happens is they get out to that point and they go, oh my God, I didn't do this, 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 and this. And so either I'm getting millions of dollars less for my business than I should have, or they all of a sudden turn around and say, there's no market for my business or my business mm. is not structured to be sold because it's so tied into me, for example. Uh, you know, kind of the personality or cult of one. And I think that's a lot of the work you do, that we have to really have kind of a dual plan. One is purely financial and one is strategic. And we have to tie in the um, sort of the, the current life and lifestyle of a business owner. And, and they're really, are, it's a separate thing, right? There's the person, the human with the family and everything. And then there's the owner. And 
And then we have to look at how does that all tie into their current financial plan, their retirement plan, their estate plan. If they have partners or shareholders, how does that all tie in? There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of moving parts. And it's really just hard to be an expert at everything. And it's very hard to step outside yourself and look back at your situation objectively, which is why you really want another set of eyes like yours or mine or both of our set of eyes. So four eyes, uh, four eyes, the glasses uh, on somebody's situation. 100%. You know, that that is truly the blind spot that business owners aren't thinking about. They're so driven for the current revenue model that they have that they're not looking at, well, the revenue is today money, right? What am I making today? What is, you know, what am I running through my business? What am I um, paying myself? What am I buying? You know, offsetting tax situations, those kind of things. But then they forget about the big picture of it. And, and what I always like to say, there's two financial pieces, like you just uh, alluded to, there's, there's the financials of today, but there's also the financials of tomorrow. And I think um, business owners aren't focusing on tomorrow because they're so busy putting out the fires and chasing clients that they only focus on today or maybe next month or, you know, at the end of the year, they're not thinking out several years where someone like yourself, you come in and you're, you're like, okay, what's the plan and what's the obstacles that we're facing? Not necessarily, you know, clients or employees, but what are the financial obstacles that we're facing along the way and how can we smooth out the bumps and ensure that that money is going to be there later on and, and, you know, what you can do with it. So, um, how do you bring clients along to be able to see that distant view? It's actually the perfect question because I was I was thinking like, you know, getting into that, the mechanics of it. And that is, I think it's really hard to see the beginning, the middle and the end when you're in the maybe in the beginning or the middle. And so, you know, a, a large part of financial planner training, right, is to be able to kind of step back objectively, look at a fact set and be able to get into it and understand it. But I think the bigger thing is people don't know what they don't know. You're not, you know, you could be just simply unaware. So if there's a, a planning technique, a tax saving strategy, something like that, if you don't know it exists and you simply just don't take advantage of it, what are you losing because of that? You know, so for example, if we're talking about the transfer of a business, say to the next generation, and let's say there was a strategy to reduce the taxes by 40% by just changing the structure of how the business is owned and how it's transferred and how the value of that transfer is, is structured. So instead of that person receiving a million dollars, they receive $600,000. Yeah, yes. You know, well, that's a big expensive, I don't, I, that's a big expensive, I didn't know, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of squandered and lost. And I think that's the painful thing for me. So Stephen Covey, Uh, wrote a book, right? Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And I think one of the ones that stands out for so many people is begin with the end in mind. And I think that's the perfect analogy, (laughs) right? It's the perfect analogy for uh, strategic planning in business for either exit or succession, right? Exit is the sale of the business. Succession in my mind is the passing on of the business Mm -hmm. uh, to someone. could be a family member, business partner, someone else. And but it's always I a financial. You, it's always a financial windfall, though. Either way, even right. if Junior's coming in to take over the business, there should be a financial windfall for the current owner on both right. sides. Right. And I, so I think what happens is if you don't begin with the end in mind, uh, and I, I know I, when I'm talking to you, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I know I'm also talking to your listeners. Yeah. If you don't begin with the end in mind, 
and then back into everything all the way up to where you are today, there's so much opportunity cost. So, so many things you're going to miss out on, uh, mm-hmm. both on the accumulation of wealth and the transfer of that wealth, uh, the overpayment of taxes, um, and, and just a lot of frustration. And then, of course, there's things that happen along the way that we start our businesses with the best of intentions and <laughs> hope everything works out fine. But there are, and I, I don't mean to be Dr. Gloom here, but there are deaths, there are divorces, there are bankruptcies, there are uh, business disputes. There's, I just don't want to do this anymore. There's illness. Uh, and mm-hmm. so what a lot of business owners miss before we get into all the really fancy stuff is just simply making sure things go smoothly when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And as I just alluded to, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, all of which are things that you can plan for and put strategies in place to address. So what I'd say is first start with prevent the preventable. If Mm. you know that there are these catastrophes that can happen, I know it's not glamorous. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not fun. But but it's the truth. It's so so often missed. And if you can plan and, and put something in place just in case or what if, then you're going to be better off because I think the worst thing is happening is if it does happen and you didn't make a plan for it is trying to battle your way out. Right. So I think, you know, a lot of those things I alluded to, let's just say you have a business partner and one of those events happens. So how is the, how is the value of the business extracted, say for the other partner? How does it impact the current owner? Are you now in business with the other partner's spouse? So, you know, walk through those. Think about, okay, if there was a divorce, what is the other spouse's attorney going to want? They're going to want a big chunk of the business. How is that going to happen? How is that going to affect the remaining person? Let's say there's a, um, a death. How is that other person's interest going to be purchased out or a disability, which is actually more common and often unplanned for? Because we all think we're superhuman and <laughs> never going to get sick or hurt. Um what if the person just needs to leave for whatever reason? You know, they just, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and what happens is if we, if we wait until these events occur, there is no time to plan. We are going to almost guarantee that there are business disputes. We are almost guarantee that there are going to be a fights. There's always going to be, you know, expensive lawyers involved when literally just a few documents and a few conversations can predetermine how that entire process is going to take place, establish a value for the business, establish a set of mechanisms uh, for how things will happen that people get to talk about now while they're in love and everything's positive and they can say, hey, you know what? At some point, something bad might happen. This is what we'd like to see happen so that there aren't any disputes and it's very orderly and as a matter of fact as it can be and everyone receives fair value and there aren't these giant expensive legal fights and you know, ruin relationships and things like that. And it's in this, I, I cycle back to what I said before, let's prevent the preventable first. And now let's just set that stuff aside, review it every couple of years, make sure it's all up to snuff and keeping pace. Then we can go talk about all the fun stuff, like building a great business, building value, building wealth, uh, capturing that wealth, having an awesome retirement, transferring it to your kids. If you want to do that, uh, giving it away, if you want to do that, but g- giving yourself these options, Uh, So we're both avoiding financial loss on one side and disputes and things like that. And then we can focus on achieving financial success. And I think that's the right order of things. I love that. That is so important and so forgotten. 
and when today's business owners, and it doesn't even matter if you are in a partnership or you're just solo, you still have opportunities to protect um, catastrophes. And, and one thing you mentioned that, you know, when you do have the, the split up for whatever reason or the death or the disability or so on, when you don't plan, your only option is to dig into your pockets to try and pay the other person or buy the other person out or to pay for the benefits that they're entitled to. And that could be catastrophic to the remainder of the business. And that's it often, scary. It often means the business and it often means the business ends. Exactly. Which, which affects your own livelihood. Right. So it's not just paying them off, but it's like, how do we keep our own livelihood going? So now there are more people that are depending on you, your family, your employees, right? Your community that uses your product or service. And if you all of a sudden shut doors, so many lives are affected because you didn't make a very simple and truly inexpensive plan to put in place early on. And I loved it when we're in love, when we're in the honeymoon phase and everybody's hugging and, you know, oh, I love you, honey. You know, that's the best time to say, let's do this fairly. And, and I think that that's, that's like you said, it was, it's, it's a big gaping hole and blind spot that today's business owners aren't looking at, whether you're solo or. You you probably know the statistics better, but you, you, you probably know the statistics better, but there is a, uh, a very painful to read statistics about how few businesses actually make it past one or two generations. Uh, oh, that the yeah. bulk of them just disappear uh, after all that hard work and all that labor and all that effort. That that because of things like business disputes, estate taxes, things like that, um, they just don't make it to the second generation, and, and and that's really really kind of a shame. And to your point about the single, we'll call it the solopreneur. Let's say you're a, a dentist. And you're just in a practice of one. You think, well, I, you know, there, there's nobody to have a dispute with. It's just me. Well, <laughs> you still have this very valuable dental practice that's probably very valuable to your family, an asset to your family, the cash flow from the practice. You might want to establish what we call a one-way buy-sell. A buy-sell agreement is simply that establishes what we were talking about before, the terms under which a business will be bought or sold based on a set of foreseeable circumstances. And if you have a solopreneur, then they can enter into an agreement with another dentist. So let's say they're friendly with another dentist on the other side of town. You can say, hey, if if something happens to me, will you buy my practice and vice versa? And then they enter that agreement and they give that other dentist what's called the first right of refusal to affect that transaction. And if they don't want to buy it at that time or can't, then... Uh, like the trustee of the estate has the power to you know, sell the practice to somebody else. But at least, you know, hey, my patients are going to go to another dentist that I know, like, and trust, who I know is going to do a good job, is going to take care of my employees, uh, and the practice is going to, you know, is going to continue on. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a partner or partners or shareholders. Uh, this planning can actually take place at the solo business owner level all the way up to the, you know, fairly large established corporate level. Well said, and so important. So let me ask you a question. So when these kind of life things happen, oftentimes, you know, like 
buy low, sell high. Usually when it's low, nobody has the cash flow to go in and buy it. Same kind of model here. When something drastically happens to your business, the cash may not be there to be able to effectively walk in and go, oh, here's a million dollars to buy your practice. You know, that solo dental um, situation. He may not have that sitting around. Are there tools or products that could help make that happen? Sure. I mean, I'm, I want to call it products last person, you know, with doctor's uh, prescription without examination and diagnosis. Is 100%, practice, 100%. Right? But, but tools, I mean, the reality call. is what you're talking about is liquidity. Hmm. And oftentimes people have most of their capital reinvested back in the business. They don't actually have a lot of liquidity or they don't have certainly enough liquidity to buy out half of another person's you know, side of the business. Um, and so if you if we can anticipate what were called the triggering events, right, the death, mm-hmm. the disability, the divorce, um, things like that, then we can anticipate and use the tools that solve the problem. So let's use a simple one that everybody can understand. If you were disabled, uh, well, how where is the money going to come from to to buy out your partner's business? If your agreement says if you become permanently disabled, then we're going to do that or if you were to unfortunately pass away, same thing. Well, things like disability insurance and life insurance, these are special kinds of policies that are designed specifically to fund the buy-sell agreement. And so when we have a client who, so so a business owner could be in a couple of states, like like matter, right? Like liquid, solid, gas. I I see business owners are being in several different states. Um, A little little physics for you here. Uh, You could have an, an unprotected, uh, business that doesn't have a, like something like a buy sell agreement, which you know you and I both agree is, is such an essential tool uh, after a business valuation, a business uh, you know a buy sell agreement. But it's just a document if there aren't the resources to back it up. So mm-hmm. if you don't have the resources to back it up, either in cash or life insurance or disability insurance or other other things that call it things like that are called sinking funds and things like that, we were actually purposely building up the cash to do it. Then you have an unfunded buy sell agreement. But if you have those resources in place and you have the uh, the dollars matching up to the obligations, then you have a funded buy-sell agreement. And so it's just like when somebody does a living trust. Hey, living trust is a great idea. Avoid probate, blah, blah, blah. And then they don't fund the trust, meaning they don't transfer their home uh, into the name of the living trust. And then they die. Well, now the house is going to get probated again. And so we have to make sure we, we actually complete the cycle and right. not only do the legal planning part of this, but we'd have to do the financial planning part of this is put the financial resources in place um, so that that for, for blips, there's things like a business emergency fund. You often hear about emergency funds for individuals. Mm-hmm. I am a huge proponent of that, but also an even bigger proponent for businesses. Think about the pandemic. You had, if you look at the cruise industry and the airline industry, okay, so mm-hmm. both equally and immediately impacted by no more travel, right? But the cruise industry weathered that way, way better than the airline industry. Why? Because the airline industry put literally no money in reserve. And the second travel stopped, they're going to the government and saying, we need a handout. The cruise industry, who've been through all kinds of weird stuff, had stockpiled billions of dollars in reserves to pay their employees, maintain the ships, blah, blah, blah. And they, they kind of weathered this a lot better. And so businesses need an emergency cash reserve because you have things like payroll obligations and rent obligations and supplier obligations. And sometimes businesses 
run into periods of slowdown, sometimes not of their own fault, insert pandemic, and therefore have to have the reserves to weather that so a blip doesn't destroy the business. And then we get into the really big categories of things that, uh, you know, there's no doers with death. We have to have those resources available if we want that agreement to actually spring into life and have the resources to, um, you know, pay out the other party, right? Because if, if you have two partners and they each have spouses, well, the spouse of the, each person probably is not really up on running the business. And, well, certainly and if, if you're a professional passed, practice, you know, if they're not licensed, they can't step in, you know, right. they can't, you can't just step in and all of a sudden be a certain, yeah, you can't be a surgeon just because you want to, right? <laughs> uh, and so we, we need to make sure that there, there's a way to give that surviving spouse or that uh, divorced spouse or whatever, the, the financial resources to buy out the other party so that everybody is equitable and everybody can kind of move on with their, with their lives. And the problem is people don't think about this. And I know this is not fun, but trust me, the planning involved to solve this is not that hard. It's not that bad. And it's way easier and way better and way less painful uh, than the consequences of actually letting this occur and dealing with it. So we, we talk about the hypothetical, hey, these are the things that could happen. And we address them so we don't have to deal with the horrible. We don't have to actually experience these bad uh, uh, circumstances. And I'm hoping we get to talk about some positive stuff because I'm depressing myself. <laughs> you know, but it's so valuable. And to talk about these, you know, these needed items that so many, you know, I mean, business owners, they want to put a blinder up and they want to go, I don't want to know about that right now because I'm chasing this or I'm working on this. We'll do that later. We'll focus on that next quarter. We'll put that in the to-dos, I wish I could, I should, I would, maybe you know, next time kind of category. And it really shouldn't. So yes, we can talk about some fun and sexy things like planning for your retirement, which business owners forget, but it is so important. And I'm almost thinking that maybe we just leave this one as, as the, the Debbie Downer and talk about the importances of these kind of things and bring you back around and have you talk about the sexy fun stuff afterwards. <laughs> But it's just, it's so important and it's so forgotten. And I think today's business owners, whether you are a mom and pop or you're running a retail or you're running a a professional practice or you're a plumber, you've got to have backup plans in place for just in case. And I know that it's, especially for for the solos, they're just, they're later and later will be later and later and later. I, th- I think there's a psychological piece that I want to put out there to sort of let these folks off the hook a little bit. And that How's is, that? well, we don't want to, I don't want to throw them under the bus, right? I, I, I hear the same things you hear the, the, the next week, the next month, the next quarter, the next year. Two things on that. Number one, none of us are issued a crystal ball. We cannot foresee the future. So we, we cannot can't so well if we could i'd be buying lottery tickets right right Um, so since we can't see the future we don't get to make what i call the delay statement legitimately Hmm. so we we can't say hey well we'll do this uh you know when i talk to individuals it's oh well you know after the kids go back to school after the kids go get back from school after the holidays after this 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 these are what i call these artificial deadlines right 
mm-hmm. that somehow the world's going to get easier or simpler by this artificial hallmark holiday on the calendar. And that's just <laughs> simply not true. But it also says that, oh, I can predict the future. I know nothing will happen to me between now and this artificial date I put out into the future. And I call BS on that. I say, you know what? Terrible things happen to great people like you at the worst possible opportunity. And so we don't get to pick when these things happen. But I think the psychological issue here is that the entrepreneur, uh, in whatever form that takes, is the bravest person on the planet, right? Because they're not going out and getting somebody else's paycheck. In a lot of cases, they're starting something completely from scratch. They're literally manifesting a business uh, out of thin air. And they're dealing with all the incredible challenges that come with, you know, starting operating and growing a business. And when, you know, we, we use the term Debbie Downers, we'll stay with that. When, when we come in with some of this negative stuff, like, oh, this bad thing could happen and this bad thing could happen. I think the psychology is kind of like hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. I think there's a very natural and understandable reaction of, I, I'm, you know, I'm this ultimate optimist. That's why I started this business. And now you're right. talking to me about all these terrible, bad things that could happen. And you're really raining on my parade and you're crushing my optimism and you're shining the bright light of reality on my dream. Uh, and you're talking about me having a big fight with my partner, uh, me getting divorced, me, uh, you know, getting disabled, me dying, me going bankrupt, me not wanting the business. You're talking about all these horrible things. This isn't any fun. And I think the delay honestly, is less related to busy, because you're always going to be busy, but you always make time for the things you want and that are important. I think the delay is human procrastination around things that are emotionally uh, scary or or unpleasant. And I think Mm. that's part of our responsibility as planners is to say, you know, could this be how you're feeling? You know, I, I know you don't like it, but, and, and it's a little bit like with kids, you know, I, I know broccoli doesn't taste like chocolate, but you can't have Snickers bars for breakfast, right? Yay. And so, so we have to have a little bit of, you know, it, it, it's a financial maturity thing. And if you were smart enough and brave enough and entrepreneurial enough to create this thing out of thin air and, and build your dream, then I say, let's protect your dream as, as aggressively and viciously and jealously as possible so that no one can take it away from you, so that these foreseeable circumstances can be uh, addressed, preventing the preventable. And then now your dream has a, uh, an, an iron cage around it. And you just say, bing, 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 everything bounces off of it because all those bad things aren't going to come around and destroy the business. And so I think we just have to help people get through that sticking point of, I'm not trying to rain on your parade by talking excuse me, talking about the hypothetical, I'm simply saying if we can anticipate it happen and if we can see what other businesses have gone through and the pain and suffering they've gone through, if we can avoid that, let's avoid it because it's usually actually relatively inexpensive to avoid it. It's very expensive to deal with it. And so if we can avoid that, then let's go out, figure out how to make more money and have more fun. I love that. And yes, we're going to stick on the, the the Debbie Downer stuff for today. But, you know, this is such an important piece because, like you said, it's very inexpensive to avoid it and very, very, very expensive to deal with it. 
Um, so I think that this is this is a great conversation and needed for everybody on on the call today to be able to, you know, we anticipate things, right? You know, we have to have insurance on our car because that's a requirement. We have to now, in, at least in California, we have to have health insurance in the U.S. and have health insurance at a bare minimum just in case the catastrophic, you know, car accident or whatever. These are just in case pieces. And when you plan for them as the, I'm going to transfer the most, the major portion of the risk to somebody else, then it's very inexpensive. If you're going to transfer 100% of the risk to somebody else, it could be a little more expensive, but it's still less than the result that we have on here. But can I, I think- Can I drill down I'm, to that for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want, I want to go back to this, this risk transfer idea. And so I think, again, I'm back to my three states of matter, solid, liquid, gas. I'm back to I my three states, of, three states of risk transfer. I think this is a really, really important and also could be a, a, a dangerous area if people don't really think about it the right way. So there's, there's three states of risk transfer. You can either transfer the risk to say an insurance company, right? So you have truly transferred the risk. And I would state that you are insured because of that. You take a small amount of premium, you gave it to the insurance company, and they're going to give you a really large check, okay? And in a lot of cases, that's cents on the dollar or even less than cents on the dollar. It is, truly. You could be self-insured, which is you retained the risk. So, but in so order now we to be self-insured. Right? But, but by definition, to be self-insured, you have to have the cash, right? Ooh. So if you have a $500,000 risk and you say, you know what? I'm not giving that insurance company my premiums. I'm going to self-insure. What you're doing is you're creating an insurance company of one. There is no risk spreading across hundreds of thousands or millions of people. You're retaining all the risk yourself. You're an insurance company of one. And if the bad event happens, your 500000 goes poof and you liquidate it. When so, how much money are you spending for your dollars? Right? Are you spending fractions of a penny to buy a hundred cent dollar, or are you buying your dollars dollar for dollar, or worse? Right? What if you have to liquidate something that has taxes, fees, penalties? It's at the wrong cycle in a market like real estate, and and you're getting less value for the dollar uh, than you should. And of course, the third state is uninsured, which is you don't have the cash and you didn't transfer the risk. That's obviously the worst state to be in, the most dangerous state to be in. But I think it's that middle category that I will often challenge both individuals and business owners on to say, I, again, I know it's annoying to take some of our hard-earned dollars and pay it to somebody else. But if but. we're being smart about our money, we want to use the least amount of our money to command the most amount of somebody else's money. That's leverage. And that's all insurance is, is leverage. You're buying dollars that you'll need in the future at a discount today to prevent, again, a catastrophic event. So again, I think we just need to be kind of smart about how we think about it. Go back to your auto insurance example. A lot of people are like, I'll just buy whatever the state requires me at a minimum. And it's like, well, if you're in California and you're driving down the highway and there are um, an $80,000 pickup truck, because that's where pickup trucks have gotten to now, <laughs> and, and a BMW and a Mercedes and a Lamborghini, and you drop your phone and you go to grab it off the floor and you cause a chain reaction car accident, and you take out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of property, but also injure the drivers in those cars who obviously make enough money to afford those cars. And you're responsible for their injuries, their medical bills, their lost wages. And now you're hooked for millions of dollars. So here's the question. How would your life be impacted? Now, in Washington, 
you can have what's called a wage garnishment for up to 25% of your wages. So how would your life be impacted if if 25% of everything you ever make goes to pay off the judgment that you lost to somebody else for a momentary slip up, a momentary oops. And so you say, well, you know, oh my God, well, that must be so expensive to to deal with that. Well, you can get a million dollars of extra liability coverage for like the cost of a pizza. And so again, people are just unaware that there's ways to make the big devastating financial risks just go away. And then again, we can, once we've done that, we put that backstop, that financial brick wall behind their present financial position. Then we can focus on making forward progress. And then we just kind of keep moving that brick wall uh, along as the progress moves out uh, into the future. And that's why we wanted to periodically review what people are doing. And so this is the same thing with businesses. Let's use uh, the fact that a business often has a whole lot of overhead, right? They have payroll, they have rent, um, things like that. Well, most business owners are not aware that you can have business overhead expense insurance, which actually pays for the expenses of your business uh, based on, on if a, a certain uh, number of triggering events happen so that your expenses are covered, the business continue on uh, and, and not be, be wiped out or not have your employees have jobs anymore. Um, and so if you're going along without business overhead expense insurance, uh, that's a huge risk to your business because if the income stops, even for a couple of months, a lot of businesses could be in a lot of trouble. And so I, I like to say that we don't know what we don't know, but once we know, then we can't pretend we didn't know. Hmm. That, that once you're aware, then you're making decisions about, okay, how do I allocate capital uh, for you know essentially the defensive side? And then how do I allocate capital for the offensive side? Um, and that's kind of part of the conversation and part of the strategy. Love it. Barry, this was really good conversation today. And as always, you and I have been talking uh, several instances and they always go on for a long period of time because there's <laughs> so much to talk about. This right. is a minor snapshot in a business owner's financial position that they should be considering. And Barry, I'd love to have you come back on because we have gone on for for quite a while here and we'll continue to talk about some great things. So uh, business owners, I hope you, or listeners, I hope you have found a couple of ideas or two that can make your business more profitable or better yet, protect those profits, the revenue, the livelihood of you, your family, your partners, your community by taking just a little bit of protection and having a conversation with a professional like Barry. Barry does so much more, but this is just one little lane of of something that is truly important that all business owners need to think about. Well, you know, we can give them something, uh, if I can just offer something of of value to your listeners. Sure, sure. What what have you got that they can look at? Well, I believe in what I call self-assessment, right? I mean, I think people know themselves if they're honest with themselves without having you or me staring at them. And so I have a little little kind of a little survey, if you will, um, <clears throat> that they can take to assess some of the things we were talking about in this conversation. Mm, and so if they go over to my wealth website, it's um, uh, wealthdefensegroup.com, wealthdefensegroup.com, and then forward slash Bob's, like the guy's name with an S on the end. So Bob's, B-O-B-S, uh, is business owner blind spots. Oh, I love uh, it. And so if they go, yeah, so if they go over there, they can kind of take a little self-assessment uh, survey. There's some room for, they can put some comments and then I'll get that back. And if they, they can either indicate that they want to be contacted or not, that's okay. And if the, if just the questions 
disturb get and get you started thinking about things, then, then, then the mission will be accomplished. Oh, fantastic, Barry. Thank you so much for that. And it was important. I forgot to ask you where they can get a hold of you. And um, we had gone on so long and there was so much information on there. It was just, it was, it, it, it put me down a different path. So thank you for doing <laughs> okay. that. But where, so if they go to wealthdefensegroup.com, that's where they can find you or is there someplace else? No, that's the best way to do it. And again, there's, there's some other information on the side. I think they'll find interesting and they want to do the little survey. They can do that. Marcia, yeah, I awesome. really enjoy this. It's always fun to talk about these kind of topics with a, a kindred spirit and, and someone with your experience. So uh, looking forward to further conversations with you. Awesome. Absolutely. We'll bring you on again real soon on here. So, all right, listeners, now more than ever, don't forget it's important to build your business like you want to sell it. Don't forget to register for my new 15-minute free training on how to get your business sale ready, even if you aren't thinking of selling it yet. Why? There are tons of benefits to having a sale-ready business like more freedom, more money, and an easier-to-run business. Go register for free at scale, the number two, sell.biz. You don't want to miss this class. And as always, Barry and I would love to hear your questions or feedback. You know, share with us, you know, any kind of aha or eye-opening um, concept that maybe you didn't think on, or maybe better yet, an experience or something that happened. And Barry and I will comment on the uh, podcast here and respond to you with your with comments. So please share those on it. And then don't forget to subscribe. So that way you can uh, find out more information. And as always, you can catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. We're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks so much, Barry. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and keep a lookout for part two. Okay.